what the heck's your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me, I have my frosty co-host, Phil. How are you? Feeling pretty cool. <laughs> We've got Brian. How are you, Brian? What's up, what's up? I'm doing good. And Skylar, how are you? Feeling chill. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, the uh, the main cast would appreciate the attempts at uh, introductory puns here. So, yep. Yep. Uh, the Mortal Realms story phase. <laughs> uh, for context, well, I think you can figure it out from that. We are recording uh, on the 1st of October. The weather's turning just in time for death. Oh, gosh. I always want to say death grave, which is not The weather is turning just in time for death gorge. It has arrived in our hands. It will be to you shortly uh, we are super hyped for this. Uh, that's our main topic for today is an introductory on Death Gorge. We'll get to more uh, into that in a minute. Uh, on the day of this release, there's also the other starter set, which is very similar to, but not the same as the one that has Sepulchral Guard and the Forest Riders in it. Uh, we managed to get a peek at it just uh, just a day ago, and uh, it has Condemners in it. They are essentially unchanged they have updated the art and the verbiage on them uh to modernize them a lot of the art hasn't changed actually well uh i guess what i'm saying is the card style right they're not yeah, the old style card yeah i suppose yes they have updated the card style and the verbiage to modernize the warband and uh, there is, just like with the uh, Far Striders, there is a playthrough pamphlet. Um, and as far as we understand it, this is the set that will be released in like bookstores. So, uh, whereas the Far Strider Sepulchral Guard is going to be found in a GW, the Condemners and Sepulchral Guard will be out at other, um, other outlets with an attempt to drag people in to the icy grip of Death Gorge. Got it. Uh, Death Gorge. Death Gorge. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like that new starter is going to be on sale starting October 7th, whereas Death Gorge, the week to follow, uh, the 14th. Excellent. Uh, we also should say thanks to Games Workshop for providing a preview box for us so that we could crack into it and uh, get you this content on uh, day one of the pre-order. Yes. All right, gents. Death Gorge, let's talk about it. We are going to give you some roundtable topics. Uh, what we are not doing in this episode is a deep dive on the factions and uh, and the Universal Rivals decks. We are shifting to a one-a-week release schedule uh, for until we have this cleared. So one week after you get this, you're going to see a deep dive into one of the warbands, a week after a deep dive into one of the other warbands, and then we'll, uh, we'll see from there uh, how we're going to tackle the Rivals decks. But we are going to talk about them some. We'll kind of give some broad overviews and give you those uh, first impressions here. Uh, if you do want the blow by blow super deep dive, we have discussed every single card in the box, uh, got the commentary from the whole team on that. And that is available on the blog. There's a link in the show notes, but you also know where to go find it. So uh, the mortal realms.com and then click on the underworlds releases tab and you will find it there. Uh, images of all the cards and our discussion of those. Uh, we are going to keep the early stuff quick. Uh, I have just a one community shout out, and this is anticipation for what will become. I, uh, I spent a little time with the Critical Focus channel. It's a YouTube battle report channel. Those guys are usually pretty good about getting stuff out. Um, 
and they have some interesting themed matchups and such. They've been branching out to some tier lists, uh, doing more than just battle reports. But what is fun about the battle reports is that they're edited down. I think uh, the one I watched was 20 minutes. I can't, you can't even can't wow. even play a, a game nice. in that speed. Um, so not only not only is it uh, trimmed down to that, but they have a lot of on-screen stuff to help you. So if a, a card is played, it'll show up on the screen. In case you don't know it, you can pause it and get a, get eyes on that. Uh, they really do a lot of production on those. So um, if we we haven't talked about those guys in a while, and I just want folks to know that they are still producing stuff. Uh, any other community shout outs, folks? Should probably shout out that we have a tournament that we'll be hosting in mm. uh, just a few weeks. 11th of November, yes. Yeah. The 11th of November. Thank yeah. you, Phil. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a best of three nemesis tournament. We're going to do three rounds, uh, two hour rounds. It's going to be at Noble Knight Games in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Uh, Mad Town Throwdown Q4. We have an events page all built up for it. Uh, feel free to visit, check it out. Um, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah. Be cool and bring Death Gorge stuff. Be the highest Death Gorge uh, finishing player. That's a, there's a personal achievement you can go there's for. There's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but let's hit the main topic here: Death Gorge, or as uh, Skylar wanted to say, Davy, Davy, get me, <laughs> get me two copies of this game because they are Death Gorgeous. There it is! Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh, we're gonna do a couple broad strokes here to start. Uh, I I want to start with the the first impressions, the first thing we see once we got the models assembled. But when we're flipping through the cards, we're looking at the boards. One thing that I think they've done a really good job of lately is as each season comes out, this uh, card style is such that they they theme them. So like all the cards are kind of icy borders on them. Uh, the boards are are clearly in this uh, in this region of Gur that is is uh, frozen over. Uh, how do you all feel about the aesthetics? Phil, oh, how about you first? I I love it. Uh, yeah. You know it originally when we were jumping realms more I, I always figured that it's like hey we're gonna get big aesthetic shifts because of the realm changes mm. um and now that we're following age of sigmar more closely and we're hanging out in gur because that's what they're doing in age of sigmar it's like well how do you how do you do gur different how is it any different than what we've seen already and uh they found a way to make it different it, it yeah. is this completely different color palette using different styling like you did nothing looks anything like what we've seen before in gur and i think that is pretty amazing because we've been in gur a lot yeah brian uh you're our, our resident uh top-notch painter so what's your what's your aesthetic take on this Oh, I've got an idea for later, but I feel oh, like that comes more with uh, the discussion on one of the rivals decks in the deck. Um, I but I, I took a moment to read the uh, lore on like the second page of the rule book. Basically, it's like the Grand Canyon of Gur, like a huge <laughs> chasm of Gur that has seen combat between the different factions, chaos and destruction, orcs, gargants. So there's that's where all the big skeletons are coming from. Because then the ogres with the curse of the Everwinter came through, and that's why it's all frozen over. So all the bones of these past conflicts are frozen in there, and that's why the aesthetic has all these trapped in the ice. Uh, mm. Yeah, so, but it's interesting too because like some of these relics, because a lot of these underworlds have like lost relics in them, and 
<clears throat> it says that the Death Gorge has like these relics kind of seeping up from the chasm, and they're always covered in like a sticky uh, orange resin. And I'm oh, like, oh yeah, is this Beast Grave stuff? Like, is this uh, <laughs> Amberbone stuff? Yeah, uh, kind of coming from because it it talks about how these nobody knows how these relics traveled across the realms. I'm like, mm. is this literally like the back end of the Death Graves digestive si- or Beast Graves digestive system? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I'm glad you you mentioned some of the background. We are actually going to take a uh, a deep dive on that uh, on its on its own. Uh, we. As we've mentioned before, we're part of a greater podcast network that tends towards narrative play, and we want to make sure to give a nod to that. So we're going to do a full narrative breakdown, kind of anyone who's interested, bring you up to speed on the the timeline of Underworlds, and then um, more specifically what the uh, story of Death Gorge is. So uh, see that coming in a, in the the weeks to come. Yeah, uh, deep dive shallow pool. <laughs> yeah that sounds safe that sounds real good great yeah. idea yep uh skyler what was your uh, how, how did you like the uh the overall here the aesthetics uh, yeah. i think they are deathly gorgeous mm-hmm. okay <laughs> getting it in there again yeah all right <laughs> gonna keep tapping that well yeah <laughs> brian i i don't know uh, you guys are not in the same place but it, can you do you have a cane long enough to like kind of hook them <laughs> off, like, play them off? <laughs> uh oh. all right how about the models Fellas, uh, what do we Brad. think of that? Red. Like, <laughs> Red. The uh, Dread Pageant is definitely like the ostentation. Like, Slake Slash is cool. Like, it's a little weird just having this Minotaur cow thing. But, like, this is where it gets freaky. Like, these are three <laughs> definite demons. Um, they are super weird. Yeah, so, like, uh, Last Severe is the my favorite because she's a demonette but got four arms so like she's just dancing and she's as dynamic as you want a demonette mm-hmm. that's dancing around the battlefield uh to be and she's incredible vashtish is like such a strange departure i'm still <laughs> it's it's not my favorite of the three but like vexmore totally embodies the slothfulness like card yeah. uh card like themes and like all of his flavor text throughout as well as his attack profile all <laughs> like leans towards that slothful nature and um, yeah indolence of slanesh love it i'm intimidated to paint them <laughs> <laughs> there there is a lot to do there's a lot of details to paint yeah it's like uh, like with ephilims there's a lot of detail there but like you can get super vibrant and colorful like the Slanesh stuff is so loud as it is as a model that like, I'm, I don't know where to like put my own flair in it because it's also mm. like there's muted and strange skin tones in it that I'm like intimidated to try and make it a, like part of me just wants to go full absurd with it. Yeah. Just, just like if it, if it hurts your eyes to look at that kind of works. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's, I, I just got to put paint to model and see what happens. Yeah. Let let the muse take me. <laughs> As for the razors, uh we've got a four fighter warband and there's there's a squid, an octopus, a squid? What is squid. it? A squid. Squid. Yeah. And what uh, really killed me is they even sculpted the beak that you can't yeah. see. <laughs> you can't possibly see it. I, I I I spent so much time I was like I couldn't quite figure out like does it I, I kept flipping at 180 degrees, 180 degrees. I'm like I'm not exactly sure how it lines up. 
and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's this way. And then like when I finished assembling, I'm like, I can't believe I spent so long trying to figure out which way there's like, <laughs> I, if I wanted to, I couldn't even like get eyes on it. I would, I need like a series of miniature mirrors to like, yeah. uh, take a peek up and see. Did that you piece. see, did you see the like, uh, shade that was being cast at, um, Elephant Elephant Solar. Solar Raid. Yeah. No, what? There's a dead crab on the base of the octopus. Oh my oh. goodness. Wow. That's fired. Wow. <laughs> Doing claws got added. Man. I I do think uh you almost need to to try a slanish versus slanish and a soul uh soul raid versus or uh Ideneth versus Ideneth battle report uh, at mm, some point. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> just pretty, uh pretty battle cool. battle the underwater critters. Or a 2v2 four-person battle. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Team, team right. Underworlds. I kind of like, want that. Mm. I like that. <laughs> All right. Something to think about. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the, uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, the models are fantastic on uh, the Elder side as well. Um, and what, one other note about Sephanir, I love that they gave him eyebrows. Like, it's, a, it's an anthropomorphic. <laughs> anthropomorphic touch yeah. <laughs> like really adds a ton of personality <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah, uh, yeah. and I, um the leader has the jellyfish um oh, on yeah. the bottom of the base you know yeah. leaping outward um now they're they're really pretty yeah i had a very cool out. upgrade to go with that Agreed. i cannot yeah. wait to see all kinds of like cuttlefish paint jobs on the on sephanir yeah yeah i mean Idenf have always had really cool like options to draw from because obviously sea creatures have lots of really cool patterns to begin with but uh the models i think for that range are always gorgeous so i'm not surprised but i feel like this box is almost spoiling us it's like two amazing uh, looking warbands mm, yeah uh and a, a cool very sort of thematic matchup too so um, a quick, quick point of clarification: Is it Sirenai yeah. or Sirene? I, I want to say Sirenai is my personal man. I, that's how I would say it, but I, I really don't know. Also, how I would say it. <clears throat> okay, as long as we're I, all in agreement and we're not going switching between. Agree, uh, Sirenai from here on out, because it references <laughs> Siren. Then, yeah, if we're wrong, we're wrong. Uh, so one of the things that we wanted to highlight with this sort of first impression of Death Gorge is we've got uh, Skylar, our our uh, resident rules guy, has done his trademark sit down with a highlighter and the previous edition of the rule book and go through blow by blow. And uh, we especially want to do this because it, they're unlike with the FAQs and errata where uh, GW will create and they're like, hey, what's in magenta is what's new this time. Uh, here there's no, there's no such mechanic. There's no uh, process like that. So it, if you are reading it from scratch, if you are reading it for the first time, you don't know what's changed. If you're reading it and are already familiar with the game, it is the brain's natural tendency to kind of like, Oh no, I know that rule and go over it. Um, and so what we want to do is, is, uh, take the time to kind of lay out all the different uh, changes that we've seen. And, and uh, Skylar, uh, you put in a lot of work on it. So, so uh, why don't you flex those, uh, not spreadsheets, Google docs, spread the <laughs> flex your Google doc. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, this is something uh, after I threw this together for our use, 
um, you know, it was floated and like, hey, do we make this available to others? So whether that's uh, just a, a link to the Google shared form or we toss it up on a page, um, we'll uh, give you access to, you know, how how we broke this down um, yep. to this page. Uh, so um, there are five major changes um, that I identified. So let's just run through those kind of one at a time here. And the first one is... Um, kind of the the expected one um, is that with the additional feature tokens that you place, um, there's very often a changeup. Um, in fact, I can't remember the last time there wasn't a changeup um, to you know what you would see uh, on those feature tokens, at least realm to realm. Yeah. Right. Um, so here we have blocked on one side, cover on the other. Uh, did right. you say blocked? So these can be flipped, uh, but an occupied token cannot be flipped into a block tax. So no delving these. Yeah, no delving or using other power cards. Basically, there's no way for somebody to accidentally end up in a block tax, I think Um, is the the way. Would be a really cool design space though, right? (laughs) Just gibbed. Yeah, you're just inside a block of ice now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Frozen, gain a movement token, then <laughs> switch back to cover. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think they. I think this is the much more sane uh, route to go. That way, you don't have to worry about like, well, how does line of sight work if I'm inside a block tax, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, not too much to talk about about the existence of blocked and cover on its own entering the game, especially when there are two more items to cover that are going to really add to the conversation here. So. The next piece is plunder is seeing a change. Uh, I think a lot of us could have called that plunder was either going to see a change or see a removal, uh, just given how little we saw of it. Um, I know. Yeah. Quick aside, uh, show of, I guess, verbal hands uh, prior to Death Gorge. Has anyone on this podcast uh, used the plunder reaction? Zero. Yeah, Once. definitely never. Once, Zero and I here. made sure everyone around me in my <laughs> radius knew I had just done so. <laughs> All right, carry on. Uh, yeah, so the change to plunder, it now reads reaction. Uh, use this during a friendly fighter's attack action that takes the target out of action after the out of action check. So that's the same language as before, um, but uh, place one available feature token in the hex the target was in. And it doesn't say anything about the facing. So that's going to be totally your choice. It's no longer locked to an objective. So you can just turn what was once a fighter into an ice column. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, available feature tokens are still remain any feature tokens that are not on the board. So if there is, you know, some rule that has removed a, a feature token that is like the objective slash cover, uh, then that can be returned to the board as it was before. It's just such a rare scenario. So, um, yeah. Okay. So uh, we're, we're cranking up the heat. It's getting spicier. And then uh, there is a introduction of the removal of additional feature tokens in the end phase. Now, not all feature tokens, but specifically, if there are any block tax tokens on the battlefield, those will be removed as the last thing of every end phase. So we have blocked 
coming in on cover, uh, you know, blocked cover uh, tokens. We have the ability to plunder them in. And if you bring in the block tax, it will melt out of existence at the end of the round. Mm. That is, uh, so on paper, that seemed really big to me. Uh, I was thinking all the way back to, I want to say season one, the card was Shardfall, where uh, in Shadespire, you could actually drop a blocked uh, token on the field. I think it was permanent. Am I remembering yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, it just, I think, well, yeah. let's double check. <laughs> it's been uh, a while. Right. But it was, uh, you know, that, that was a card that always felt like my, you know, 11th or 12th game, but I couldn't quite figure out how to, <laughs> yeah, how to really right. make it work. But now everyone's got access to that. Uh, my first impression was like, this is going to be huge. We're going to be dropping block tokens. It's going to cut people off from places they want to be. It's going to mess with line of sight. It's going to increase charge ranges. Uh, what were people of the same mind or was there uh, more tempered expectations? And then how did that translate to the games you've had a chance to play with that kind of that triple set of of uh, what block taxes are now doing in the game? Um, Brian, did you had you guys get uh, a flurry of games in today or we did we got okay. a rivals uh with just the warband cards we then mm-hmm. got a nemesis of thricefold breakneck slaughter or breakneck ballet as i like to call it <laughs> um versus siren eye with fearsome fortress though yep. mm-hmm. uh and then well, obviously because we... skyler was running of course him. of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes which was interesting because fearsome fortress just brings its own uh, so I think he, I think he placed the, you, yeah, you placed the block text, didn't you? No, I placed cover. Um, placed and cover because of Fortress. I think, yeah. I think Fearsome Fortress, um, is going to add an interesting spice to this because like, it, especially with the razors, I really wanted that line of sight and I mm. wanted to reduce, um, how many times like a block text could get in my way from like being able to hammer tide and stuff like that. So right. I was like, Oh, if I bring in, you know, fearsome fortress, I can put one of them down as cover and you'll notice, you know, the, it's only the block taxes, you know, that are going away. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in the sense that like, if you don't have flip tech to like flip these tokens while nobody's standing on them, like once somebody decides, no, this is coming in this cover, it's, it's permanent. Like you're mm-hmm. not, you're not getting oh, rid yeah. of it at the end of a round. Yeah, yeah. Which is really interesting. And Fearsome Fortress is probably often going to start that way because people are going to want that in Fortress territory. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have to think that at least part of the reason for that is because they were remembering back to what the game used to be like when you could do like max offset with boards that naturally had like dangerous barriers or had lots of block texts, mm. and it just made it so hard for certain warbands to even function that they probably yeah. realized that like there has to be a way to get rid of these because if you were to you know be able to narrow the board to a two hex opening on a full offset like that could be almost insurmountable for certain warbands mm. That's fair, fair consideration. Uh, did you guys find that you triggered the new plunder very often in your games? No, mm, no, but we did. It was definitely more in the forefront because you get to choose where, like, bringing a cover in. So I felt like we did. I, th- I feel like we did do a plunder or two today. Um, we played three games: one rivals uh, with the warband decks, uh, the nemesis 
game I described. And then we also played a rivals game of thrice fold fighters with breakneck slaughter versus Cyronite oh, wow. with force of force of frost. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I feel like just plugging those in. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we got, uh, two plunder actions in. Yeah. So it was interesting because with, uh, with this box, I think this is one of the spots you're going to see plunder have the most value because you have a lot of range too, right? So mm-hmm. if you can, if you can hide behind one of those, or you can kill somebody in between, like that's sitting between you and them, um, like you can stop that range two attack. Um, right. So I yeah. think I think it's going to go uh, a longer way with the warbands in this box, and I, I like that. Like um, I think it. It's a really nice design consideration for the the season's harbingers. Yeah, I I think uh, so. The first couple times I played, I, I was not used to thinking about plunder at all, and we just never triggered it because there were opportunities just didn't occur. There was so many other new things going on, and we get to the end, and be like, oh, plunder, shoot! Uh, I couldn't even figure out if it was impactful. Then I had a. a, a super aggro range one sort of matchup going on and they're uh, a little less like there was enough speed and uh, you were not blocking. You didn't have fighters who were trying to activate multiple times. So line of sight changes weren't all that, all that big. So what I felt like was going to be this really big thing and then didn't see it be that. But what I think it's going to be, I think you're going to have a situation where oftentimes not a big deal. And then, every you know every once in a while it's going to be just huge it's going to be like oh that was the big brain play that like cracked that round open for one side or the other i think so too yeah i think it'll be very deck dependent like you can use it as a counterplay against uh fearsome fortress um i think there's big opportunities for daring delvers to use it to add extra points towards exploration Mm -hmm. uh, without having to use card tech which is a big deal. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But that's like the extent of how important it might be. Uh, I guess spoilers for future content. Uh, Force of Frost cares about having blocked hexes. So Mm. they'll probably use it too. But, um, you know, that it has a double-edged sword, right? Because like we said, once it's a cover hex, you can't get it back necessarily. And so... Mm -hmm if your deck cares about having blocked hexes, you could just get blocked out from having any, uh, no pun intended. Um, so I don't know. I, it'll be interesting. I think this is going to be one of the bigger changes in the game. And it'll be one of those like skill, uh, cap things where it's like really good players will have it in their back pocket, thinking about it when they need it. And people who haven't quite gotten to that level yet will probably get caught out by it. Hmm super thematic too like just oh, yeah. like having all these ice columns like coming up it yeah in the moment i don't know what you're doing to the enemy fighters you're taking out of action that's <laughs> you know like there's literally a decision point where it's like do i just let them disappear or like boom column <laughs> like, maybe you're dropping some ceiling down on them i don't, I don't know yeah well, if it's a, if it's an objective then you're plundering whatever loot they were carrying sure 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 yeah. 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 Well, and I guess, you know, if if we want to go to the lore, Everwinter is like this giant ice storm that never stops, which is yeah. why the ogres have to keep moving. So maybe it's like once they're dead, their bodies aren't moving anymore. So they get covered over in ice. But sure. Yeah. I, I don't it. know. I, I like yeah. it, though. 
improvised yeah, defenses. So do you and, guys want to, want to jump into the next, next big oh, change? Yeah, the last thing I was just going to say, it was important to point out that it was, uh, you you already said this, but that it happens at the very, very, it's like the last thing that happens yeah, at the end. Post so it means scoring. that any objectives that care about it uh, are already scored, right? Like that all has a chance to do that. So, uh, and I, I like that they paid close attention to exactly when in the timing does this happen. That was uh, some good forethought there. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, what else What else do we got, Skyler? Yeah, so I think this next one, uh, is going to be the biggest change um, personally. And what that is, is a change that has occurred through a mission of four words. Uh, this is a fighter with one or more charge tokens cannot be activated unless each surviving friendly fighter has one or more charge tokens. Okay, we know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a fighter with one or more charge tokens is activated, so you're charged out, you're activating a charged fighter, that fighter cannot make a super action. You'll notice (laughs) I did not say the words a move action or uh, that fighter cannot make a super action. Move actions Mm. are on the table. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Make it even harder to control people. I love it. (laughs) I, uh, I think in general it's, a good thing i think i think i'm so used to playing for such a long time where you know you're down to just a couple fighters in the last round on either side and that decision of whether or not to commit to the charge or not uh had already been made a little bit easier by being able to attack after you charge uh now even more so with move uh, i think it is a big I've, i used it for positioning things where like hey i i need to get back on i need to end on an objective but i can't make this charge onto an objective so i'll charge and then i will move and i'll spend the you know rest of that i think warbands that care about that sort of positioning you know i think if like ripas jumps to mind because that's something i played a bunch where you know have be in enemy territory to be able to score this thing um those those can be a big deal so uh i think you're right scott i think this is this is going to be more I think that the highs of the whole block hexes may be higher, uh, but I think the the game to game impact of this rule is likely bigger. I think so too. Yeah, the positional end phases that this opens up um, is just wild, and um, I, I, I enjoy that we had this time period where like we got used to charged out. And then this is kind of opening that up even more. Um, but man, it, and it is going to be easier to teach to new players. I found that um, even, even players that just don't engage with charged out very often, maybe they have like large war bands um, mm-hmm. very often. Like I'll be at league night and somebody will be like, Hey, Skylar, remind me, you know what I can do when I'm charged out. Um, I can move. Right. Um, and it's like, no, you know, you can't, you can't, um, do any super actions and you can't move. Oh, I can't move. And it's like, so now, now my answer is just much simpler. Can't do super actions. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's more intuitive in the sense that it's like, I understand why I can't charge, but why can't I move? Mm. Um, so that's cool. But like, yeah, this is really going to open things up. Yeah. I really like it from a narrative. Like the easy teaching makes a lot more sense. Uh, but if, like from a narrative standpoint, like charging out and then you're gassed for the rest of the 
remaining activations that didn't make a whole lot of sense. It's one of the reasons why I didn't get into it at Shadespire is I had a tutorial game that didn't go well and I could not grasp why the fighter was gassed after making a charge action and I couldn't do anything else with them afterwards. It made no sense to me. And I think this makes a lot more sense. Uh, not being able to do a super action, they're still gassed. Like they're, they're panting after that, but they can still, you know, mm. preserve themselves and still act. Sure. Um, but the, I, and I get like Phil's saying where it's even harder to control people. Uh, but we all have been in that position where we're the, we're the people with the one fighter remaining we are told by our opponent who won the roll off that you got to go first in the third round. And we're just like, Oh, great. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I charge now? Like that's never a good feeling. I don't think like as, as, as fun as it can be to rack, rack your brain and get yourself out of that situation. Um, it's never a fun position, I mm. think. And I think this will be more inclusive to new players and be more fun. Uh, yeah, just means you can't box your opponent out. I think, or they can't box themselves out, I guess. <laughs> I think that that is uh, generally true. I think it'll be good overall. Um, this previous change and this change have the unintended tacked-on side effect of making any cards that give move tokens or charge tokens considerably less punishing. Um so things that were previously balanced by saying this fighter gains a charge token is considerably less of a punishment and anything in your warband that gives out either thing is now mostly pointless. Like there's only yeah, I... a handful of things they can't do, even if you've given them a token and I kind of, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Like there's a side so, of me that's like, this is probably for the best, but then there's a side of me that's like, I like the fact that there's a design space where you could have a war band that cares about controlling their opponents hard. Um, but we'll see. So for instance, I was a user of screaming demise, uh, back at Adepticon. I use screaming demise to when one, it's an upgrade goes on one of your fighters. When that fighter dies, you can give a charge token to any one of the opponent's fighters. Uh, so it was like, it was crippling because you couldn't make any further actions with that fighter or with, uh, and massive control, a lot of fun. I can't have that fun <laughs> anymore with this. Uh, but my opponents weren't having fun with it because I was usually putting it on the the fighter that they needed to do the most work with, and it was really crippling. So um, I think this is a really fun space to explore conversationally because I, although I agree that it cr makes those token uh, um, those tokens less punishing, uh, it I feel just kind of shifts um, the control uh, pieces, right? So we. We did have a moment like this uh, yeah. in our game, in our most recent game. Yeah, because I mean, so now when, when you receive a move token, it essentially means you can't charge, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's still something. And when you receive a charge token early, that means like you're not going to be activating that fighter for a while. Like you're still going to get the chance to eventually. But But even then, if you are able to award the charge token to somebody who's not in an ideal spot, 
like you've also probably cost them some sort of either activation or card um, to to get them uh, somewhere that they could have gotten had they not seen that charge token. Sure. Um, a charge token later in the round, less punishing, um, but I think that's also kind of fine because the, the the round is winding down. Um, so like hurt or like holding your opponent back from doing things um, like doesn't go as far already because mm-hmm. we're already at the end of the end of the round. Um, or yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I just I just feel they've kind of like shifted the weight of what those can do for you. I think that's I think that's valid. Uh, Scott, did you say you had one more uh, one major more. rules change? Okay. Yeah. Um, and of the of the five, this one's I, th- I feel on the minor side, but uh, I'm curious to hear what your think your thoughts are uh, on this change. This is with delving, and this is another change through a mission. This time in three words: uh, each player can only delve once in each power step, and so that used to be each player can only delve. Or sorry, yeah, can only delve each feature token once in each power set. So we've removed each feature token, and now it's just, hey, you as a player, you're only allowed to do this once in a power step. Um, and for me, my first impressions there um, are, I don't know why uh, <laughs> we're, we're seeing this change. And the best I can figure is that um, this prevents uh, a lot of flipping uh, happening all at once going into the end phase. So like if you're looking to be on three feature tokens and they don't need to be cover tokens, right? Um, uh, or or sorry, they don't need to be objective tokens. Or, or maybe, maybe specifically you're looking for cover tokens. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you have to map that out a little more than just be there right before the end phase and do all that flipping at once. Um uh, it kind of forces people who are were interested in that in that stagger penalty over time versus just doing it all all at once at the end phase. Um, I don't know how much of that was happening, but it's like the best I can figure. Yeah. So my my thought is that you have to like probably a, the lesser consideration here is that you're telegraphing infestation more. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to give more activations where it's like, why do you keep flipping and you're still sitting on the ones back and safely in your objective? Um, the other thing is maybe if you have like an early round push to get multiple fighters onto multiple feature tokens, you can't just flip those all to cover. You're only getting one guy on cover right away. Yeah. Tough. I, 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 I think I agree. It doesn't seem super impactful. Um, there was, weren't a lot of war bands left that were doing the the double flips. Uh, I think uh, Sudden Revelation was in a couple decks, but that card's about to rotate out anyway. So yeah. theoretically, we actually don't know. We haven't seen any information no, about we, rotation. We don't so. know, but I mean, it, we know it's it's uh, it's one of two things basically, right? I mean, it's either <laughs> yeah. Harrow Deep's going away or Harrow Deep and Nether Maze are going away, and I yeah. <laughs> both I hope, both ways. I hope it's just Harrow Deep. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they just really want to hate on Shadeborn here. They're just like, no cover for you. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's a baffling rules change. Like Delve just, it was already punishing because you're giving yourself a stagger and then you can't yeah. do it again if you're staggered. So I, Is this I don't know. That, would this mean that 
like if sudden revelation wasn't rotating out, would this mean that sudden revelation couldn't be done without a card to flip a feature token? I believe that's correct. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like they effectively are just trying to kill delving. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I think they're just, I mean, this, this is like the other end of the spectrum from when we were in the middle of, Harrowdeep and Nether Maze, and it was just like, yeah, I mean, all right, we'll go back and there'll be like a million delves before anything happens, and then the next yeah. round there'll be another million delves, and just I remember that being like, yeah, that that was you know you designed your deck to do that, but I remember just being like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, let's Me. either you're sitting here or I'm sitting here while one of us flips flip stuff back and forth underneath and it does a little bit slow yeah. the game down just like having to pick up a fighter flip yeah the token a little bit. Thing, so maybe um, just in particular they don't want somebody who's gotten onto all the feature tokens going into end phase turning all those into cover and getting staggered without any consequence mm. to lead into the next round fully sure. in cover kind of a thing sure but uh yeah so i, I think we're in agreement we we didn't we i it did not impact any of the games i was playing for me is I was uh, kind of wish listing. I thought that uh, what is it to stun and barge would be a little changed, but uh, those are completely unchanged, right? They're also so new that I mean we've had them for what six months. Um, yeah, sure. I wonder if we don't see minor tweaks to those six months from now. Mm, sure. Yep. That's so fair. been out for a year. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Skyler. Those were the changes. There were a few. Are there, were there any clarifications you wanted to cover? Or yes. Um, okay. So the first clarification I want to cover is actually one that we recently covered in um, corrections uh, during one of our previous episodes. We uh, addressed salvage, uh, and this sparked conversation uh, in the Vassal Discord. This sparked conversation in our Discord, um, and. Specifically, I uh, want to shout out uh, Val from Straight Out of Shade Spire, and Val um, yeah, went to our Discord and was uh, like, um, "Hey, let's talk about salvage." Um, I'm not 100% sure it works the way that you guys described, and it led to really interesting discussion um, that leaned a lot of people towards like, "Hey, salvage should um, be uh, the way that we all read it that first time around, where it's open." in uh, both players' power steps. And there's kind of these these like uh, omissions of words that would really clarify where salvage should be. Uh, specifically, um, there is a section where it was breaking down what a player could do in the power step. And it said, in the power step, both players can play power cards and delve, right? Uh, so it, it left out, hey, you can also salvage during this time. Well that's that's one of the clarifications we've received uh is in the power step both players can play power cards salvage power cards and delve uh so there you have it and then to really uh nail that home uh, they added another uh small clarification and in the salvage section itself it says uh in place of playing a power card if you have a restricted card that you know meets your normal salvage requirements um then uh, you can discard that power card and draw one power card. So in place of playing a power card uh, has been added in there. So nice nice clarification, putting that, I don't want to say argument. I think that's too strong of a word, uh, but that like rules um, like uh, murkiness uh, to rest. Uh, yeah. 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 So whether, whether it was meant to be one way before and now uh, is this way or it was meant to be this way all along, here we are. Yeah. 
that felt like the most impactful of the clarifications, if if not just because we were discussing it so recently. Um, Agree. So yeah. Um, uh, for was there anything else you want to highlight, or is that pretty good for now? Uh, yeah, I would just say um, real quick that the victory tiebreaker, they've added a clarification that it's combined value of objectives uh, um, is what wins you the tiebreaker when you're looking at objectives combined uh, being mm-hmm. the clarification there. So that's nice to see. Uh, I, I think it was assumed before. Uh, I know it was assumed yeah. on my side, but um, because it was highest value of objectives, objectives being plural. I guess oh, there, sure. could, yeah. there could be an interpretation where it's like somebody hey, got really rules lawyery. Yeah, <laughs> which, which of oh, these bro. is the highest value in that? For yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's that's what I think. You know, could have you could have seen is you know I'm sitting on four and three. Um, yeah, but I'm sitting on five. Right? It's like yeah. okay, cool, good, good, good <laughs> I'm on for you. One. This is golf score. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got seven. No, 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 no. You have a four and you have a three. I'm sitting on the five. So maybe. Maybe that's where this comes in. I, I, either way, happy to see it. Uh, really clears that up. You know, the the four and the three would win in that example. Um, and uh, one other clarification I'm going to highlight here because it's something I've personally talked about on the podcast before. Is I really like um, consistency in formatting, consistency in things like keywords and stuff like that. Um, and we've seen the. Uh, intended distinction between like a bold keyword that you're going to see on a card versus a bold italic keyword. And I think they did a really clean job of this. So, you know, going forward, when they print fighter cards, you're going to see bold italics, which is something that they've started here in the starter set. Uh, And all this is trying to indicate to you uh, is bold italic is um, a label for other cards to interact with. Um, So you might know this as like a typo keyword. Um, It's, you know, uh, going to be like your brawlers, your hunters, your skinks. Um, so, if, um, you know, a card can then say, Hey, this is what I do for brawlers. Right. So yeah. they're trying to just kind of give you that visual cue of like, Hey, this is, you're going to look for this. This is going to be called out somewhere. It's not going to do anything on its own. Yeah. Um, this would be helpful. I remember when beast grave came out, like flipping back and forth through the rule book a lot, yeah. trying to figure out What's what does hunter word? mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, if that was printed today, um, you would see Hunter in that bold italic to signal to you that it's not just a bold keyword. And what they want with bold is that it's an established rule. Um, and that established rule is going to be either present on a card uh, or in the glossary. Um, so that's going to be like move action, stagger. That could be um, a faction's like specific abilities like Mad Mob's Primal Surge. Um, so they're telling you like, hey, like look at the cards in front of you. If you don't see the reference, then check the glossary. Um, right. And you wouldn't see Hunter in there. <laughs> right. Because that, that's a label. So it's, it's just nice to see um, how, how that's cleaned up. It's, you know, most people aren't going to um, like, I, I think um, it's not going to move the needle on Underworlds at all for, for anybody. But it's the type of like quality of life improvements that I think just makes the game easier, cleaner. Um, and really, really well targeted towards those guys with highlighters and rule books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, all right, uh, there we are. Other. So I, I think that kind of uh, wraps the rules that we were wanting to uh, get into. Uh, I think what I'd like to do is uh, let's, let's actually take a look at, um, we'll give some of those broad first impressions of, of the different uh, war bands and decks. Um, 
but uh, so let's say we, we've got the uh, Serenized Razors, the Thricefold Discord, Breakneck Slaughter, and Force of Frost. I'm going to go a quick round. Which one of these were you the most excited for? Uh, Brian, because it's easy, we'll go with you first. Yeah, so obviously I was most interested in the Thricefold Discord. I just wanted the weird, wacky, slanesh stuff to continue. Uh, love. Brian, you went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this what? can't yeah. possibly be. <laughs> uh, Skyler, what, 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 Skyler, what was what were you uh, most excited for? Force of Frost. Force of Frost. No, All no, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was uh, Sirenized Razors, and then like next in line was all the Death Gorge puns I was going to be able to make. <laughs> Isn't it just the same pun over and over? Well, <laughs> you you can you can move after charges now. <laughs> all right. So you can move, you can just keep moving. You know, <laughs> keep keep using that pun. All right. <laughs> Davey, what about you? Wait, wait a bail. Uh, I, I, he can it, move after charges, but he can't move on. <laughs> I uh, I was also excited for the Slanish Warband. Just uh, I like if they can get thematic with uh, with some of the things they do, and they did that with uh, with the Dread Pageant. And so I was really excited to see what they would do the next time around on that. Uh, what about you, Phil? I was actually excited for Force of Frost and I was yeah. curious to see what they were going to be doing with a like ice sort of themed thing. I, w- I was actually kind of hoping that it might be like priest related and then it would be like, a oh, ogre, sure. you know, because they don't use magic, but they've got like yeah. guys who can harness the Everwinter or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, magic is still cool. I, I don't know that we needed more magic support right now, but. Hey, you know what? That's where we are. So here we are. Uh, but I do really like the styling of it, and I like the themes that it's playing on. So, all right, yes, cool. yeah. And it's one thing that's like clearly lacking from this frosty Death Gorge is like they. It's got the Everwinter curse in it, and there's no like Rothgorn is not brought up. So like, part of me is like, is this next Destruction Warband on the horizon going to be another? Uh, frozen ogre warband get a like they, get a yeti in there or something they can't, yeah that'd be pretty oh, cool that would be that would be cool um, they don't have a new yeti model they just did new um what are gorgers. those gorgers models yeah so a yeti would be actually very appropriate to like herald a new model range for them yeah. but uh i can't imagine getting another ogre warband after we just got um well just got it's been a year <laughs> right black powder yeah yeah almost yeah. a full year yeah and yeah. he was he definitely felt like uh rothgorn 2.0 i can't imagine we get an actual rothgorn junior <laughs> but maybe no. with a yeti would be we really cool uh, uh phil the priest comment by the way uh i just rotated out my hero deep stuff just in excitement and anticipation right and uh a card stuck out to me as i was filing that away and it was Blazing Icon. Which, <laughs> what, a, what a card. Which grants fighter priesthood. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> which we have done they, zero with. <laughs> granted a fighter priesthood before wizarddom. Yeah. They yep. did. They did. Cool. <laughs> it's gone. I guess, 
I guess there would have been some weird jank play with like a plague pack there. Get another priest in there to, oh, to spread that around. But that suppose. is that is way too comboy for for underworld. Can't play. have it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and well, actually, is blazing icon order only? I don't know. Uh, no, uh, it, I thought it was a true universal. It's okay. a true universal. Yep. All right. Uh, well, let's get into it. Let's let's uh, we're gonna run down just a just real broad overview. So what you can expect out of this is we'll kind of give uh, here's what the style of this warband is. Here's some things that we think are strengths and weaknesses, uh, and here's maybe a favorite thing uh, from each of us for that. When you when we get to the deep dive, the individual episodes, we'll do a, a more card by card, fighter by fighter pairings and all that sort of thing. But uh, I think Thricefold had the most votes, so let's do that. Brian, if you were to try to describe Thricefold for for somebody who is uh, just about to pick this up, what, how would you describe them overall style, strengths, weaknesses, that sort of thing? Uh, three squabbling demons. <laughs> and it's narratively fantastic. Both of them are just full-blown demons. They're not humans. Uh, surprisingly, they don't have like a keyword to indicate that or any... Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I was expecting something a little, but um, yeah. I suppose Riptooth doesn't have anything. Neither does the Ephilim's Pandemonium, but yeah. none of them are beasts. So I guess that's in keeping. Sure. The three of them, you got one large fighter with Vexmore and then a four wound fighter is the snake lady, Vashtish. Um, and then you got Lassevere with three wounds and they all inspire. If the other one fails a role, like no successes in it. Yeah, and I think that's just hilarious. Narratively, they were kicked out of the Heat Knights of Slanesh army in order to uh, go and get away because they were just bickering too much. They were such a distraction and annoying uh, that they were cast out by uh, Silesk. And as far as the fighters go, basically, it's strange. Like they're from a deck standpoint, their objectives are not strong. Um, like they feel like they don't i don't they're kind of aggro and you just kind of got to roll with that um they have some good surges or considerable surges but their end phase are quite atrocious um and that leads me to that really can give a warband their guiding light and so i feel like they're kind of just aggro and kind of roll with it um that's interesting uh, because my take was that I think I can do a control build with this and we, like, I think we'll get into that with the, the deeper dive. I, I thought that, uh, the low fighter count, the range, the access to magic maybe unlocks some, the possibility of some, some control play. Like a lot so. of their, uh, stuff wants them to be inspired. So you're wishing that your fighters are failing. They also want to have wounds on themselves. So it's interesting, what my point is that their objective deck kind of lacks a single singular focus. Like it gives you some options. Uh, it does have two good surges for casting or attempting to cast spells. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but their power cards, boy, that gets spicy. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool it. stuff in there. And I think uh, that is where they do really lean towards the control build. Um, it's just that it's hard to, I guess, award objective cards or have objective cards that award, having yeah. controlled somebody they they have to yeah you have to go you have to go elsewhere to find the the objectives that will help that they've they've got one or two that i might include in that build actually the surges if you're going magic but, but uh, to a similar extent i feel like dread pageant had a lot of uh fun power cards and that's where i really enjoyed it they had some uh good really good objective cards as well so yeah, the theme kind of rolls on 
yeah. with uh, fun power cards. But do we get into temptations and false gifts? Uh, well, let's uh, let's go around the horn and uh, give a well. Sure, yeah, let's do that. So just give a, a general idea of what a temptation or a false gift is, because that's kind of an iconic thing for them. Yeah, so, so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they've got. We've seen some cards with a lot of this, um, or we've seen a few cards similar with temptations, where you play the card and it's pick an opponent or a enemy fighter, and that opponent chooses one of two options Hmm. um so it's a ploy uh gambit and basically yeah there's six of them in the deck out of your power uh out of your gambit deck uh so six out of ten it's quite a few um i'd say there's some good ones some spicy ones there's only one or two that are like "Eh," but yeah Uh, they're all useful right they're all useful some are situationally useful some are like uh there's a couple that i think are pretty hot fire we'll get into those yeah. Um, so that's on the gambit side. They have kind of a signature upgrade card to upgrade type of card, upgrade category. Yes. So they have their own keyword, um, and it's called false gift. Yes. And there's three of these among the 10 upgrades and all three of these have the ability you can, I, the thrice full discord player can pay to give this to an opponent fighter, to an enemy fighters. Yeah. Um, and, they have their pros, they have their cons. Uh, my takeaway from having played with them is that the majority of the time I'm in a, I'm happy to put these false gifts on my own fighters. But boy, when there's an enemy fighter that can get crippled by some of these negative abilities, it's going to be spicy. Very yeah. fun. Uh, I, I Again, I, I love the temptation false gift thematically works great. Uh, and then mechanically is super interesting. Uh, if we did around the horn, do you got a, a favorite or a standout piece of the warband uh, that you you want to call out, Skylar? Oh, okay. I mean, those false gifts are really cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I'll go with is their theme being realized uh, in um, in their inspires. <laughs> with them being yep. these squabbling um you know demons that hate each other <laughs> and want to see each other fail they yeah. literally inspire off of getting to see each other fail um <laughs> and i i really find that to be a blast um like so you, when you're looking at their inspire boxes each of them calls out specifically in name one <laughs> yeah, of the, the other they're paying attention to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like uh, almost like rock paper scissors in the sense like you you got to keep track of like which one cares about which <laughs> yeah yeah i have to line the fighter cards up in a particular order to help me remember uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i would i would say in playing them it does kind of cause a little bit of a meta like narrative role play where when <laughs> I try and attack, it fails, but it, there was a success in there. I'm going, you can't even fail good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think one of my uh, favorite little like pieces towards this is that on Vexmore's um, uninspired side, He's on one dice for his attack, looking for hammers, and he's on one dice in his defense, looking for shields. Uh, so it's like, and he inspires into two for both of these. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, 
on his uninspired side, he's feeling kind of slothy. Um, <laughs> and, but like that attack, it's like if I hit, I hit, and I'm dealing three damage. <laughs> but I mean, if I don't, that one over there is going to get a kick out of it and it's going to inspire. So like, yeah. and, and and that being a fifty fifty, um, it ends up feeling a little bit like uh, uh, Miari from Miari's uh, sure. purifiers because he yep. uh, he's looking at uh, range two one hammer. Two damage attacks, so super similar, uh, and yeah. for the same reason. Um, but he wants that 50-50 to be successful. Um, he just wants to see that success on his side. Whereas over yeah. here we have, um, you know, somebody, one of the two demons. I'd have to look up which one. You know, cheering for <laughs> Vexmore to just fail that 50-50. Love it. It is funny because you you have it, it encourages a little bit of YOLO play where you're just like, yeah, I'll try this. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, I get something out of it too. Except yep. in the circumstances where Brian described, where you you fail yeah. badly, you fail the wrong can't, way. Can't even <laughs> fail well. Well, and and I like that uh, they back the inspires up with. So if this fighter just dies, you know sure. the one the one that they're looking at, that will yeah. also inspire you. It gives it almost um, uh, a little bit of the uh, Zendaya's Truth Seekers feel, where it's like mm. when like as a new player, it's like oh, I just lost a fighter, you know, sort of a deal. It's like oh well, you know, this one over here. Uh, inspires at the very least, you know, uh, if they had not yet. Uh, so yeah. there's a little bit of inspiration insurance just in the fact that if anybody ever topples, if the one that they're, uh, the one that's watching them closely <laughs> uh, yeah. is still in play, they'll at least get their inspired side. So. Murphy's law dictates that once one of them is dead, then the one that needs to fail uh, things to uh, inspire that dead fighter will just start failing stuff nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I was like, oh, I inspire some. Nope, that's the, the dead guy. Okay, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yep. All the disappointment. Yeah, uh, Phil, do you have a favorite uh, thing to highlight with these guys? Uh, I think just generally, I like how they embody a lot of the aspects of Slanesh and play very thematically but not to the detriment of the warband, mm. um, which I feel like with trying to have thematic elements in warbands, sometimes they've sort of stumbled as a design team where it's like, oh, this this is really like in the story it fits. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. it's bad. Like it's actively <laughs> bad. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to lose games if I do. Uh, yeah. Nothing that they're doing here that's in theme is bad. Like all of it is yeah. still at least playable. Um, some of it's better than others, but like, I appreciate that they can be both thematic and good. Um, yeah. and I hope that that is a portent that going forward, we'll see that as well. And, and I think maybe, uh, it should be because like the plague pack, I think are kind of the same way. It's like, yeah, they're doing all this thematic stuff and they can still play well, even doing their thematic stuff. Sure. Uh, what about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm enjoying them. Uh, each time, like initially the temptations are like, well, your opponent's just going to pick the lesser of two evils. But as I kept playing them more and more, I'm like, how can I make this as bad of a decision for them <laughs> as possible? And I really enjoyed that. The yeah. uh, There's one in there, the one with the ping option. There is a really cruel way to set it up. Um, and yeah, I look forward to springing that on somebody one way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after playing uh, against Brian all day, I can uh, confirm Temptations <laughs> are his favorite part of the sword event. He, in fact, has a Slaneshi coin uh, that he Ooh. purchased uh, for other, like, yeah. uh, be- like, before he realized the use case here that says something, uh, what does it say? Like, are you tempted? Yeah, uh, so this is uh, 
from Baron of Dice, they made a token that's like a two-sided coin where it's like, you have been tempted, are you tempted? And uh, <laughs> so what it's meant for is the Heat Knights of Slanesh Age of Sigmar army has a temptation mechanic where you can offer your opponent a six on the die result, uh, but you will gain depravity points, which buffs your army mm. if they take it. And so you offer them, you've been tempted, or are you tempted? And then you've been tempted. Uh, <laughs> if they de- if they deny your offer, they take damage. Yeah. Uh, and so I bought that coin, not knowing that temptation was going to be a uh, mechanic with this warband. And yeah. now I throw that coin out at my opponent I before I coin. hand them the card. So much yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it is definitely the false gifts. I was as soon as I read these, you could think of so many use cases for them. Um, the uh, there's one that it's a great weapon, it's a cool sword, and then it turns off all the other upgrades. It acts as if he doesn't have them. Now the opponent can shut these down by spending an action to discard it, but the cost of an action is huge, and frequently you can get uh, really really big benefits just from right when you uh you put it down so uh, i think i had there's the uh, void curse the um void curse upgrade that you hand to the opponent and they get to pick where it goes this is this is even more so and uh i just yeah. loved thinking about all the different cool ways that this could be helpful again like either on yourself or the opponent and um, just matching it they they have a level of flexibility that i just really enjoyed and uh they've been my my favorite part about the uh, war band so far you ever had that moment where you charge somebody, cause damage to kill them, and your opponent goes, oh, I have an extra wound on them. And you're like, <laughs> I forgot. Now I just pay a glory, and that turns that upgrade off, and they die. Yeah. Or, I, uh, or I've, I've got a real powerful attack lined up, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I'd rather you were large for this, so I get two glory. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Like that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So Brian and I were geeking out about the false gifts afterwards, and I think the thing that got me the most excited about them is often the negative is really niche. Um, yeah. And I, that, that is the thing I love the most about the false gifts because uh, very often you're going to be using them for your, your own boon for sure. Right. Um, but I like that design space so much where it's, I'm bringing this card cause it's good for me mm-hmm. already. Right. And then if this negative finds that niche moment where it's going to shine like mm-hmm. um i didn't have to just add this one card in my deck that only offered me that niche benefit and i never get to use it so you know it's my 11th and i cut it like no it's right there already like included into this card that you would bring on its own yeah they're uh-huh. my cards i want them to be good why should they yeah. be negatively affecting me but since they're so niche it makes it really nice when you see the potential it has to neuter another enemy fighter. And you're like, here you go. You can have this one. (laughs) Yeah. I I just feel in this game, like the niche tools that we see are often left at home. And when they're combined with something that, that presents you a reason to take it, you're already taking it. And so like, it's, it's delightful when like you get to actually play the niche piece. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's go to Sirenai next. Um, Sirenai. Oh, man. Let's go to Sirenai <laughs> next. Uh, Skylar, you called them out. Why don't you give us the summary of these guys? Yeah, so for the summary, um, they are an Ideneth Warband. And so we now have uh, a constant 
for what that means. And the constant here uh, is that you're going to have this inspire mechanic that naturally turns on based on where you are in the course of the game and naturally turns off. Um, so here, uh, what that looks like uh, is you're going to have it for your final activation uh, in round one, or, or more specifically, after you've completed your third activation, you'll receive um, your Inspire, and that's going to go at the end of the round. And then um, in round two, after your second activation, you're going to Inspire uh, all of your fighters, all four of them, including Stefan here, the squid. Um, and like you'll have them until the end of the round, and then you'll go back to Uninspired. And then after your first um in activation in round three you'll inspire um specifically after the power step um but you know um you know you're gonna have to do those three activations in round one those two activations in round two and and the first activation in round three you're inspiring your warband so that's that's weird we have this ebb and flow uh, of timing where you're gonna get your stats boon um based on where you're at in the rounds um, so I think that's kind of like the biggest first thing to call out about them. And then the other, if I kind of had to summarize them, what I think they're going to be doing, uh, where they're going to find their identity, um, is they are going to be the warband that staggers fighters on the enemy warband the most. So they're going to kind of, I think, come into their own and be known as, you know, the staggering warband or the stagger elves. Um, and then the other thing that's going to be their hallmark that's going to stand out um, is Siren Eyes Hammer Tide. Um, this is like a laser beam where uh, like, as long as I have line of sight, there's no blocked hex between me uh, and one of your fighters in a straight line. Um, I, I can deal one damage to them as an action and stagger them. Um, and I also have the squid. I can jump around a bunch whenever targeted, um, which really kind of continues to play into their stagger identity because the squid staggers um anytime somebody takes issue with him and tries to attack him he takes issue back <laughs> staggers you yeah. phases away um so yeah i think that's kind of especially as i played with them more i think that's really the identity they're going to carve out for themselves is like siren is going to stand out with this hallmark uh ability hammer tide just lasering damage you know down um down lanes that kind of like form um mm-hmm. and they're they're gonna have all of these ways to stagger you uh and they're they have a uh objective uh that's to glory if they've staggered three of your fighters so like it's worthwhile for them to pursue that game what would you say it would you say they're aggro or hold or flex or tbd <sighs> oh gosh um it's a really good question i would say um, they're, they're not strictly aggro, so they're going to land more flex. Um, and I think that's probably pretty, pretty accurate. Like they have a couple different objectives that ask them to hold two. So mm-hmm. if you lean into those, I, I suppose you're going hold two flex. Um, but your survivability is kind of low, um, yeah. especially with two of your four fighters. So, um, you, you've kind of got this glass cannon archetype where it's like hold back, hold back, come in for the punch and then kind of clench a little and hope you survive um, so that you can keep uh, bringing the pain in. Um, yeah. They're they're I, really unique. They're not going to be invading um, like Soul Raid would, um, at least not as like an archetype. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think, uh, I think what helps them with that is that, uh, other than the squid, three of them have range two attacks, which gives you more positioning flexibility. So you can set up in spots, you can set up on feature tokens and attack from there. Yeah, um, so absolutely. I think that helps unlock that a little bit. I think so too. Uh, I will, well, let's see. Phil, if I throw it to you, you have a favorite aspect of this warband to highlight? Um, well, I, I really like the squid. <laughs> but um, to, to be more specific, I, I think I just like that they're, they've got all sorts of weird, uh, different kinds of mechanics that they're playing around with. They've got like a teleport spell and they've got, you know, some of the stuff similar to like um, the soul raid where they're able to say like, Hey, this fighter is not going to be targeted. And like, I just like that they have all these goofy, maybe not goofy niche mechanics that are just like really different. Um, I, I, you know, thinking about your your question you posed to uh, Skylar is almost like, um, yeah, they're not, they're not really aggro. They're not really hold, but I don't think they're just true flex. It, it almost seems like they want to control. Um, they're going to like stand back, wait, set things up and then make their move when they're ready. Uh, and I don't think we've seen stuff like that for a while. And I, I'm interested to see what people figure out. Cause I think once people crack it, these guys are probably going to be pretty good because they have uh, some really good attack profiles. Their defense is not great, but I think they can stand back and wait long enough um to be pretty interesting sure yeah. ryan how about you siren is playing space invaders uh <laughs> she just sits back stands and tries to hammer tide laser across the board uh it's pretty rude it's a little anticlimactic yeah. i get a little sad every time he's like i'm just gonna hammer tide you and and you're staggered too it's like yeah uh Bolt of Zinch was never a problem. <laughs> Hammer tied all the way across the board. Uh, I, that's just my <laughs> spicy throwing all the get everybody upset. Uh, but my favorite <laughs> Bolt aspect. Bolt of Zinch didn't cost you an action. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, uh, but it's a one-time use. <laughs> you, we, we found out that if Skyler wanted to win his matches today, he should have just spent all 12 activations hammer tightening. Because they have 12 wounds total. Yeah, yeah. fun uh, fact. I was like, so I can do 12 damage to you. And I was like, and you have, oh, collectively 12 wounds. There yep. you have it. Uh, but, yep. I mean, much easier but, said than done, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely like a little piece, uh, coup de gras, finish them off type move. Um yeah, I, I, had a, I had a brutal where uh, Vexmore has got the damage reduction ability and he turned a two damage attack into a non-lethal one damage. He's like, I lived. And then the next round was hammer tied to death. Like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. but my my uh, most favorite and least favorite aspect of the warband is uh, Sephanir. Um, he is, first off, Davey, your gifted dice. Damn them. Uh, he made five crit defenses and he just inked me and ran away. It was like so rude. Uh, single die defense to each time. It was yep. so rude. Like I couldn't crit defend anywhere else, but Stephanie would <laughs> only on the one dice. He he never crit defensed when he had two dice. It was ridiculous. Uh... Um, 
So it, uh, but Stefanir being able to squid ink away is fascinating. Um, and it's crazy. He moves five. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot, lot, a lot there. That teleport thing that he does is, man, there's a lot to unpack. And the three fighters win inspired have a lot of options for like choosing your pick your switch. Uh, what tool do you need <laughs> to take the enemy out right now? Uh, Skylar, did you have a favorite aspect of the war band? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, spicy take. He's better than Doomclaw in every way. <laughs> <laughs> But what I'll highlight about Stefanir here is that he is not a beast. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I've been loving that. That means uh, he can be my weapon caddy. <laughs> Such a great oh, image. Boy, wow. Was he? <laughs> wow. Uh, that means he can hold objectives. Um, he can even fly, uh, which is just uh, like some added just uh, chef's kiss where I've got five movement. I'm a weapon caddy. I can hold objectives. And if you try to mess with me, I'll ink you and jump away. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I I love the weapon caddy thing so much that I would just include bad weapons to put on, you know, like the, whatever, like the cursed musket or something. And it's like, I have an octopus or I have a squid with a gun. Your argument is invalid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You just load them up with all the ranged weapons. Yeah, uh, actually, Starma with the with the stagger is not a terrible. You know, no, like, not at all. Stag- and range right. four too. Like, <laughs> yeah, playing uh, or <laughs> pew pew. Uh, they also like I don't know. There's there's some really spicy ranged stuff. Even with if you want to get into breakneck slaughter, the darts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or or force of frost because we so I plugged that into them right and. Um, I lost enough fighters where I was like, all right, Stephanie, you're my only hope. So I guess that means uh, you're a wizard now. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. You, have, <laughs> you have a spell blade and some daggers that you can toss at range three as well. Go nuts. <laughs> That's amazing. It was. Wow. I love it. Uh, for, for me, I think my favorite aspect is uh, how it can set up these these overlapping fields of fire sort of thing. These range two fighters, uh, Stephanie is range one, but has decent threat range and can have this teleport effect. And then you're always trying to figure out, okay, like where's, where's that hammer tied? What are the things that are hammer tied makes dangerous? Um, and I, I, it was a really interesting puzzle to be going against and being like, ah, there's a lot of places I don't want to land on the, uh, as I'm moving in against this war band. Um, and I thought that, that they created for a fun puzzle, which is is why you play the game. So. Absolutely. Yeah, those lanes of fire were really interesting. Yeah, uh, and what an interesting game during setup too. Um, mm, yeah, I find the Siren right. Eye players probably often gonna want to hold Siren Eye to place last, not just because she's your leader, um, but yeah. because like you want to see what lanes you can land in, which yeah. affected where I placed my other fighters. I'd be like, oh, if I place a fighter here right now, I block my chances at a lane if they place there. Um, yeah. so it really <laughs> opens up the opening placements too, where you're, yeah. you're kind of outplaying yourself, trying to think of what lanes <laughs> you can create. Pro tip. If you're placing boards against Siren Eye, don't longboard. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. Probably, probably yeah. not a, a smart thing to do. Yeah. I, right. I, I have some feelings, uh, on that. I, I think, um, uh, spo- spoilers on you know the uh, deep dive we'll be doing on Siren Eye, but I think 
Fearsome Fortress is a really interesting pairing for them because somebody will hear, oh, Fearsome Fortress. And they'll be like, I can longboard them to prevent a lot of that. And it's like, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> You've created the lanes I want. But, uh, all right. Hey, uh, Phil, when we were talking about that, you mentioned Force of Frost. Let's, uh, let's jump yes. into that. Uh, t- tell me about Force of Frost, plot card, no plot card style. What What is Force of Frost bringing? Yeah, so it is no plot card, which is a pretty <sighs> big deal. So yep. uh, this is a ice magic focused deck. Uh, it, it is caring about uh, placing blocked hexes using a number of different things. Magic is one of them. And then having opponents next to said blocked hexes. Um, but it also is just benefiting from casting spells and adding a different type of counter. Uh, there's a frost or ice counter, frost mm-hmm. counter. I don't remember ice, exactly ice what counter. the ice counters, um, which will not do anything by themselves, but will key off a number of other cards in the deck, which, um, you know, gives you sort of a mini game. It's kind of like hunger where like by itself, it's not doing anything, but there's cards that play into it. And so you can kind of work towards this alternate game style of like building it up and then um, you can score off of it and do other stuff. The vibe that I got from the deck is that it's, it's going to be very standoffish and controlling. And I think that's really cool. I worry though, that people will hate on this deck a lot because People don't like passive play in this game, and I think there's going to be a lot of it, uh, especially from warbands like Curse Breakers. Yeah, I I think they did a good job of uh, noticing some of the spots where it might be abusive. There's a there's an upgrade that uh, gives you reroll to casting and then a spell action where you can give yourself an ice counter, but you can only use that if you don't already have an ice counter. So it prevents you. From just sitting in the back and just being like, oh, I'm gonna stay, you know, spam eight, this. eight X's away <laughs> and just uh, pile ice on top of myself. So, yeah, um, I they, they clearly made some choices in it to mitigate what could be some of the worst excesses of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, real interesting that uh, Force of Frost and Seismic Shock are neither of them are plot locked, and those are big sources of, of uh, certainly magic support. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite aspect of it, Phil? Uh, I, well, I, I have a lot, but I think the one that I will key off of here because I'll be, we'll be doing more coverage of everything is specifically, they finally did it, Davey. (laughs) They finally did it. Uh, the mad lads, they were listening maybe, or they just came up with the same idea on their own. Having an upgrade that can turn a fighter into a wizard. Yeah. Uh, man, we've been wanting this for so long. You can have backup wizard in your warband now, re- no matter what your warband is. Like uh, Sephanir. Like Sephanir. You, <laughs> you can have a squid wizard. Sephanir <laughs> even has his own like wizard hat. Yeah. Little <laughs> wizard's wizard. And um, Phil, is, is that... Wizard level one, two. It's, it's wizard three? level two, which is what? pretty crazy. It, it it's also on a a not half bad weapon upgrade, so you can also yeah, range just, two two smash two damage. That's yeah, fine, they, right there. They, yeah. So they gave you a wizard stick that makes you a wizard, they but sure it's did. just a stick. Yeah, but Corn cannot join the party as usual. Yeah. 
Get out of your corn. I guess something I hadn't even considered, they probably did this on a weapon upgrade on purpose so that you can't make beasts wizards. Mm. Mm. Has some interesting implications for Ooh. certain warbands, but so, we'll um, talk about that more in the future. Oh. I'd like to talk so the, wait, to whoever. The monkey. The monkey in uh, Black Powder <laughs> can be a wizard. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, man. I would like to talk to whoever in the art department uh, was hurt by Skase Wild Hunt at some point in time <laughs> and decided to throw shade at Carthane here. But Carthane's already a wizard. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need the staff. <laughs> but he let him be a level, level two wizard. He, he, well, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, yeah. he, inspires, he inspires into that. But yeah. all right. I just, I just, I felt, I felt like, you know what, Carthane's already a wizard. Why are we bringing him down here? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe well. he's handing that to somebody. Maybe he's like, you can be a wizard too. You know what? That, that's what I'm going to believe sure, from now on. Sure, 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 sure. Whatever you got to tell yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will, I mean, I don't know. There's so many cool things about this deck, um, but I will stick to just the one because I've, we've i don't know i don't know when the first time we thought it would be a cool thing to add but it's been a long yeah. time it and it's you know there's control aspects throughout the the deck not not exclusively but there's there's elements in the objectives in the gambits and in the upgrades so it's clearly what they're they had some thoughts about it but uh skylar um the uh justice for for carthane uh issue aside what uh what's your favorite part of this deck Mine is actually going to be the art here. I think oh. the art is phenomenal. This is, um, it, it's the art has been something that we we keep talking about, um, and I'm so happy to to be there. Uh, the art team has just been absolutely killing it. Um, I I don't want to like set a point in time where like oh like here here's the demarcation where they started absolutely killing it, but um, like keep it up um i i love it and uh, a couple cards like to kind of just call out from an art standpoint here um there's a card called uh frostworm cloak uh and this features a shade uh born fighter right so if you can imagine the shade born fighters they usually have this cloak uh on them that represents like the shadows you know that they're slipping in and out of and here that cloak has been replaced with a frost cloak. Um, mm. So you have the Shadeborn pi- fighter in this very um, dynamic pose, you know, crossbow, you know, um, like handgun ready, um, and this cloak flowing out of them made, you know, out of ice and frost. Very and Elsa. It's it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, do yourself a favor. We, um, uh, shameless plug here, you know, we have a uh, blog entry for each of these uh that we're covering uh the two warbands and the two decks uh and we run down every card uh davy has uh, gone through painstaking measures to make the image uh quality as gorgeous as possible to really capture the work here and um go go, go check this out um we have a uh crimson court member uh with an ice burn blade uh, <laughs> we have uh Ephilim in armors uh made of ice like this it it's good i like it a lot yeah it is uh brian what about you got something you want to highlight on this particular deck so you had asked me like what i thought about like painting wise for this mm. uh season 
and I can't wait to see uh, Frosty Court. I want to see Crimson Court, but Frosted, because Ooh. the not only does it allow you to make a wizard and they're level two, there's two cards that also allow you to buff a wizard to level two. Mm, yeah. And so Ooh. you could literally, in, you could turn Elias or uh, what's her name, Bellis, into a level two wizard and put those other upgrades separately on Duval and uh, what's a big dude, bald dude with the mace. You uh, Gorath turn, the Enforcer. Yeah, Gorath. You could have three level two wizards Oof. in a Death War band with wow. Crimson Court. Wow, spicy. I want to see it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it is It is a deck. So like I said, I, I paired this up with the Thricefold to try to make a magic control build. And it it uh, it wasn't terrible. It, it uh, I need to continue to make some tweaks, but uh, I'm... I'm excited for that, and I'm excited to expand that out to a full uh, championship build. There's so many individual cards that I feel like I want to shout out here. Um, uh, tip of the hat, there's a, a cataphrane tome has been uncovered. I guess yeah. it got dropped in the yeah. uh, in the ice, but uh, uh, and there's uh, there's a essentially a, a reprint of um, with Alone in the Dark. Uh, is that what it was called? Oh, yeah. 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 Where uh, two glory for nobody standing next to anybody. Uh, but for me, the one is going to have to be time freeze. And this is, a, oh, yes. this is a gambit that has you skip a turn, give out ice tokens, a couple guard tokens, and then you, you have to skip your next turn. And then you will take two activations in the turn after that. I don't, I can't tell if it's good, <laughs> uh, but it's so weird. It feels like it feels like the card. It feels like uh, no time to me. The the card that I uh, always think about including because it will make me feel really smart when it goes off. Well, no time um, was uh, nobody plays ploys anymore, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of ended the power step. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Skyler played time freeze once. Uh, he didn't crack the code. <laughs> thank you for that brian all right while we're, while we're calling each other out uh davy did you did you like that alone in the dark reprint cold of the void how, how do you feel that about was that? rude and you know it uh i i liked it a lot yeah yeah i liked it too when i scored it on brian after he told me it was total trash we, all right we had a, so, we had a big discussion and he agreed with me and then he's just like i scored this and i was like you so i will i will say that card was a menace back in Shadespire, and I have a hard time believing it won't be now. So watch out, because it might just yeah. mean that there's just a check on every single turn that you're like, wait a minute, I can't not be adjacent to another fighter. Yeah, I think That's a big very fair. Uh, uh, one notable hampering of this is that uh, distraction is no longer in the game. That was always a selection. Okay, so Cold of the Void should go straight into decks for, um, oh, what are the Banshees? Mournflight. With, with their two in-house distractions. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, why'd you have to, hey, you know, Davey, maybe cut that, you know, and just don't, don't let those Banshees players know. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Icy Banshees, though, that feels nice yeah. and thematic, too. So. No, I think, I think as, as you mentioned, there's with this not being plot-locked, there's like a handful of just 
like, oh, this card could go in this type of strategy and this card could go in this type. Like there's a lot of stuff that just this feels like it's seeding a lot of universals. Yeah, I think this is a a deck that will get dipped into by a lot of different different uh, play styles. There's there's uh, uh, although I talked a lot about the control aspects, I think there's reasons to reach for it for a lot of different uh, warbands. Yeah, I think they've really been hitting the sweet spot with these, where they serve mm-hmm. Nemesis as you know, and rivals, you know, as these thirty two card decks, um, yeah. but also like with whether they're plot locked or not. You know, like how are they going to serve championship? And anytime you see it not plot locked, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, how many yeah. tools are in here for, you know, focus strategies or, you know, how much in here can be pieced out for these individual niche strategies? I I love um, that sweet spot they've been hitting with these releases and serving all three formats. Yeah. Well, that just leaves us with Breakneck Slaughter. Uh, this was nobody, nobody tagged this as the one they were most excited about, but uh, Brian, I know. I do have a good synopsis for this. This is okay, Tooth and Claw. On me. This is Tooth and Claw meets Billiards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and by right, Billiards, I mean pool, like bar pool, uh, where you're hitting balls with a cue and bouncing them off each other. Yeah. Uh, this comes with a plot card, right? Yes, thankfully, because this is, like I said, Tooth and Claw. There's a ton of uh, aggro... Uh, tools and objectives in here that are fantastic and I'm glad Tooth and Claw and Breakneck Slaughter are both plot locked away from each other because you would actually be able to score a lot of the same cards for doing the same thing here mm. um, so I I think that uh, succinctly carries over a lot of the ideas but one of the things I think style wise so uh, the plot here is that it's let me let me just grab it I've got it here. I can hit it. Uh, it has a rule called impetus. Uh, there's different cards in this deck that will give momentum counters. Basically, after everything is done with an activation, after all reactions are done with an activation, you look at the board and see who's got a momentum counter, and then they are going to get pushed in a particular direction based on how many momentum counters they have. If they can't be pushed, then they become staggered instead. Uh, and so, And the deck comes with some ways to plenty of ways to give them to your own fighters, but also some ways to kind of sneak them onto enemies. Yeah. And what's interesting is they talk a lot about using the scatter token in order to show which way the fighter is being pushed. So they will be pushed X where X equals the amount of momentum counters that they have, but you're not rolling the scattered scattered die. You're not rolling a die to determine on the scattered die or scatter token where they're going. Instead, you're just pushing them along the hammer. Um, so I feel like that's an interesting play because they might be able to errata this in the future if they need to, to make it a scatter. So does this scatter effect, would that work with something like shrewd wits? No, no, because they're not actually scattering. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a scatter. They're just, they're just like shoehorning the token into other mechanics for God knows why they could just say (laughs) in a single direction, just like, The no token needed, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Uh, Impetus also does say that you get plus one move to each fighter that has one or more momentum counters. So if you're That's able to true. give a momentum counter to the fighter prior to their activation, then you can give some extra speed boost out of it. But essentially, yeah. you're getting that speed boost with the momentum um, and you're going to charge like it feels like aggro. You're just going to charge and then you're going to 
after the charge result, you're going to bounce or your opponent chooses which way they bounce. So it's not totally like physics, but you bounce off or you go flying in a spinning off in a direction. So it's almost like you're on an ice rink. In fact, there's a card that creates a domain where everybody who charges (laughs) gets a momentum counter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Both of these Uh, decks feel extremely thematic to this, you know, ice setting. Yeah. Right. Um, So with breakneck slaughter, uh, where I think it delineates or uh, goes away from tooth and claw, because there's a lot of like, aggro bonuses to you know plus one damage or plus one dice uh type stuff uh very reminiscent of tooth and claw as well as some positional objectives that aggro loves to see um that doesn't care about feature tokens um it does also come with some defensive upgrades there's actually a really good reaction in here to go on guard uh there's two cards like uh, tumbler and moving mark that actually changes the defensive characteristic on your fighter so one of them makes them two dodge and the other one makes them two shield it's incredible um and a lot of fun yeah i think i think uh you could maybe summarize it with uh quite a few powerful effects uh tempered by how much of a penalty it, it may or may not be uh, to all of a sudden get like to, to have less control over your positioning. Yeah. It does feel like tooth and claw with a cost. Um, yeah. Skylar, is there something I, I know you played against this. Was there something that uh, you thought was particularly fun or enjoyed or a key interaction favorite part of this deck? Yeah. Um, it's hard to not just talk about the momentum mechanic more. Uh, mm. So what I'll highlight is that there are so many interesting ways to manipulate it. Uh, and that's what, so like we're going to define this, you know, this uh, rule and how it works. It's momentum. You know, we're going to toss momentum counters on fighters because we're putting cool, um, you know, abilities effects down on them. And so that's going to cost them some momentum counters, which would mean normally that after they attack you, um, uh, or after their turn ends, they're going to bounce off somewhere and, and your opponent's going to get to decide. And I really, really like that it's your opponent that gets to decide, right? Mm-hmm. But um, what really stood out to me when we were playing is the ways you can manipulate this. Uh, I'll, I'll call it one card specifically, um, Battering Ram. Uh, so first off, super cool picture of uh, Thedrin here. Thedrin? The- yeah, Thedrin. Big, big guy. Yeah, yeah, Jedrin. yeah. Dread. Say it again. Jedrin. There we go. That, that's good radio. Um, I'll get that name nailed. Uh, all right. So rea- uh, reaction after the deal damage step of this fighter's attack action that targeted an adjacent enemy fighter gives the target this fighter's momentum counters. So it's like not only did I run into you and hit you, uh, <laughs> but I'm also then going to yeet you super far <laughs> because not only am I passing these momentum tokens onto you, but then after this activation, we're going to check you uh, are going to pick an opponent. Hi, that's me. And I'm <laughs> going to choose where my momentum counters now yeet your fighter because they're on you and not me. Um, so st- stuff like that. Um, or if I could toss out one more card, Screech to a halt, um, you know, thematically that like, yeah, I was going fast, but I'm going to react right now after my activation and I'm going to remove my fight, my momentum counters. So just, yeah. just the cool different ways to, to manipulate this, this new rule and offload them. 
Uh, Phil, I don't know if you had a chance to see this one in action, but uh, looking through it, was there a favorite part of this for you? I did not get to play with it or against it, but I do enjoy how much this is probably going to remind people that plus move is actually really good. <laughs> um, I think sometimes it can be sort of lost in the shuffle of like, well, if I had the choice, I'd rather have accuracy or wounds or something. But sometimes one or two move is the difference between being able to make an important uh, action and not being able to do it at all. Um, so having like a whole deck that gives like, I don't know, almost all of these plays give plus move in some fashion because they either give momentum counters or they just straight up give bonus movement. So yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, there's actually a lot of really cool stuff to like about this, um, but we won't get into all of that. Uh, I guess since we've everyone has basically said something else about this impetus mechanic, the one thing that I, well, okay, two two things. I'll try and keep it quick. <laughs> First off, the impetus triggers only after an activation. So mm. if you have ways to move outside of activations, you will maintain the bonus for having momentum counters for all of those moves outside of an activation and you won't get scattered after those so you could use this to boost movement and then do some like power card movement um and then oh interesting uh, still gain yeah. that bonus or if you could give out multiple counters and then do like a a thing that moves multiple fighters like sepulchral guard they could all have a bonus move without scattering until after the activation results um and then the other thing is that since you get to pick any direction and if the fighter can't be pushed, they get staggered. There's a lot of situations where I think you might like if someone charges in, hits your fighter, but doesn't kill them, you could just have them scatter into your fighter and then you just get rerolls against their fighter after they charge yeah. you. Yeah, so, yeah. I like uh, that a lot too. Definitely yeah, a good point. something to keep in mind, both playing against this and with it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was just uh, how much of an actual sort of functional aggro objective deck there was, and and to a lesser extent, the power power is cool too. Yeah, uh, I paired this with Magors, which has in the current state of things <laughs> a truly atrocious objective deck, like oh, so bad, shockingly bad. They've got good profiles, they're good fighters. There's some there's some nice power cards in there, uh, but wow it is it is rough uh on the objective front here i made a deck that was essentially i think two magor's objectives and 10 breakneck objectives and it would it felt 100 percent functional like it felt i'm doing some stuff I'm, i've got some good surges i've got some reliable end phases i got a couple reach end phases that are uh, a little more glory but if i can make them happen uh it was it was really fun and it just happened to be a a warband that likes to have uh, gambit speed movement to make sure that they can uh, get things started early. And uh, I like that it was out there and uh, as has already been said, an, an aggro alternative to tooth and claw. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see it in nemesis builds and I'm excited to see it in championship builds because of all that stuff it brings. Brian and I were geeking out after our breakneck game about how good of an objective package this offers aggro. So yeah, super here, super glad to hear that as a call out. Like, uh, I see it. It's <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> uh, they've got some some really reliable uh, tools in here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my favorite. So for me, I 
really love push tech. Uh, really liked positioning with like Zarbeg's kids and then Dread Pageant. Uh, so I'm really keen on that. And you offer this to me where it's like you're you're gonna make a charge and then you're gonna ping off and bounce and your opponent has control where you go. I'm like, oh my god, that's the antithesis of what I want. <laughs> but I, I just embraced it and just kind of free falled into it. Some of my uh, blog callouts or comments on the cards were like this card like Screeching Halt is how you can take away the momentum before the impetus reaction is done. Or another one allows me to decide where it goes. I'm like, it's not really embracing the vibe. Like you're kind of (laughs) mitigating the negatives here. I'm like, "Eh, it's like, because it's also a card combo. But I I just kind of like went into it, you know, breakneck ballet, just going to see what happens. Just like completely dive in. And it, um, I don't know, that was kind of liberating from a, I don't yeah. know, my own ethos as as the game goes on and upgrades uh as you start to lose fighters and more of your upgrades and gambits are targeting fewer and fewer fighters on your war i was like well i guess zarkus has a seven move charge now yeah <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i guess he's gonna run a couple circles around you before he hits you just for style so yeah it, it was uh it was, it was crazy Oh, well, that is the fourth and final uh, item that we're going to cover in broad strokes. As a reminder, you will get a deep dive on these coming up where you're uh, getting this on the day of pre-order. So then the next Saturday, we'll have a deep dive into one of the war bands and so on and so forth. If you can't wait that long and you want to look at the card by card thing, uh, hit up that blog. Uh Gents, I'm going to give one more time around. If you want to call out one particular thing about the box set, the uh, uh, the Death Gorgeous box set, uh, what uh, I, I give you the chance to do that now. You don't have to take it if you don't want to. But uh, Phil, I'll uh, start with you. I don't think we mentioned much, uh, but the boards are quite gorgeous, I think, in this set. Um and and I think the art is very clean and clear, uh, and so you don't have visual like. I think there was some stuff with um, like Weird Hollow where the colors just kind of all blended into the patterns, and sometimes it was hard to see some of the stuff on the board. Whereas the the iciness, I feel, is very distinct and doesn't clutter anything, but it still looks really nice. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I also want to comment that the boards, I think, are well designed. Uh, all the boards seemed pretty balanced. Uh, like there was one board with no features on it and it was just spawns. There's another with a blocked and then two cover. And then there's another with a lethal blocked and stagger. And then there's a lethal cover stagger. And it was like, I felt like it gave people a lot of options and none of them felt like, Oh, I'm just never going to use this board. Uh, Skylar, any, any thoughts you want to give final thoughts on the death gorge box? Yeah, I think the box uh, offers an excellent pairing. Um, yes. All right. I'm going to think of a new one. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> uh, like out of the box uh, playing this game. Like, I don't think the war bands are overly complex. So I feel like they're um, really, um attainable not attainable um approachable that is the word uh mm-hmm. i think they're really approachable for uh, people that are entering the game um but I, I don't feel there's an uphill battle on either side of the table like um uh frankly i've actually lost uh every game 
uh, so far I've played, uh, <laughs> uh, but I've kept him close uh, <laughs> and uh, I never felt like I was out of it. Um, and uh, by the way, I played both war bands. So that's not just like, oh gosh, like the siren eyes, you know, uh, but anyways, um, the, yeah, the, what the box has to offer you as a game in and of itself, um, like is really tight. It's really close. There's a lot there. Like we ran uh, multiple, you know, um, different iterations where I played different cast members where it was just rivals, Sirenized versus um, Thricehold. And that felt great. Um, Then running just vanilla breakneck plugged into Thricefold versus um, me running Sirenized and Force of Frost. That felt great. That felt tight. That felt fun. Um, And then, you know, the nemesis pairings of, of bringing those in, uh, like there, there's just so much game in this box and it feels really balanced. Um, if you think about Nether Maze, like it's, I think it's the closest box I can get to uh, from what it feels like. If you have experience with Nether Maze, it feels like that. Uh, but you also get two more decks in here. I think it, I think it feels really good. Love it. I'll uh, I'll throw one out here and then we'll let you wrap it all up, Brian. I like seeing the continued iteration of what they are figuring out with these um, nemesis decks both these nemesis decks felt like they had uh, fun internal interactions and plenty of stuff to reach for from the outside so uh, i think that's that's a it's a pretty clever trick of design is to figure out how do i make this work within itself but also work if you're going to mix and match because if you lean too hard into inner synerg- uh, internal synergies, then you end up with like, well, there I have seven cards that just give me ice counters, but I don't care about those unless I'm going all in on ice counters. So then what the heck am I doing here? Uh, I think uh, I if you compare where Nemesis decks are now with their first, the Silent Menace, like we're, it's not even day and night. It's, you know, daytime on earth and dark side of the moon sort of thing. So I, I, uh, big fan. Agree. Totally agree. Bring us home. Shout out something about the box. What was what was something that you particularly enjoyed about the box as a whole? I'd like to address an injustice. <laughs> okay. Lay it on uh, Dire Chasm featured uh, Dread Pageant and Myri's Purifiers. And Myri was featured prominently above. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's a peaceful, big, angelic, like, sort of elf. Uh, but now we have the Sirenai also featured. And that's twice... <laughs> That uh, Slanesh had been uh, totally snubbed by elves. I, <laughs> why can't we have Vexmore's beautiful mug featured giant and big and proud in the background? Like normally it's the villain that's featured in the background on these movie posters. But instead on the box art, we've got another elf. I how think does, it's, I think it's how does How does the pain of that envy feel? Does it feel delicious? <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll have my day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, with you. I'm enjoying it not seeing any of these uh slaneshi demons on the sides of my boxes <laughs> you, you tell me that this box wouldn't have sold more if vexmore wasn't the one prominently <laughs> featured on there i think kids of all ages would have enjoyed it <laughs> that big old grin oh yeah oh yeah. boy yeah well all right uh we had a lot of fun with this box, trying it out, uh, getting getting these first thoughts for you. We are already well underway with the uh, deep dives. Uh, one more time, you can find those on the blog or in the upcoming episodes coming out each week until we're at a good uh, steady state again. But if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can get us on the 
platform formerly known as Twitter at WTHCast. Uh, email whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Or as always, recommend uh, just come check us out on our Discord that we share with the network. Always great to talk to people there. Again, that blog is themortalrealms.com. You're going to navigate to Underworld's releases and uh, that'll have that. Also, there are links within these very show notes. Uh, we One more thanks to GW for the review copy. Let us make this content. Coming up, we are interested in what Harrow Deep era cards you will say adios to. Uh, we're going to build an episode of that to go along with rotation. You're going to see deep dives. You're going to see uh, those deep dives on factions, uh, on decks, and then also on the, on the background. So lots of stuff coming out from us. And uh, it's going to be a busy few weeks for us, but we're, we're uh, excited to do it. Uh, I do have a flavor text quiz for you. I, I, I'm being heckled in the, uh, in the typing here. Am I predictable? Am I, you guys can tell me. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. Ready. Okay. Uh, this one is a quote attributed to no one. Those isolated in the death gorge find only emptiness and soul crushing cold, Mm. especially Brian. Mm. I, I know which one this one is, but I, (laughs) It's uh, at Skyler's house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly which one this is. Uh, Phil, you want to crack at it before I break it over Brian's head? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, this is Cold of the Void. Yeah, I could not. Yeah, of course. Uh, mm, <laughs> call back. OG. <laughs> cool. You were not predictable, but I, it was another callback to an old card. But uh, sure. this means we... I'll save my- have a flavor text for you davy uh, yeah okay you you can holster that for uh the uh, relevant episode maybe or or are you trying to lay it on me right now no, i'd we'll love to lay it. it on you right now brian <laughs> i would love to but we're <laughs> let's do it all oh, right man. so last one this dead is, is a highly unorthodox <laughs> <laughs> all right Last one dead is a stinking coward. Oh, this, uh, let's see. It is out of breakneck. Uh, it's got the Reavers on it. It is one of the two glory end phases. And he's on it, Phil. Do you got it? Is it? Uh, uh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, I, I know exactly eager, what it is. for the fight. Eager it's for a, the fight? It's exactly yes. eager for the fight. Yeah. <laughs> and it is attributed to Karsus the Chains. Yes. yes. <laughs> what a... What a mensch, uh, that guy. Ah, uh, yes. That's a great one. Very thematic. Yeah. All right. Uh, your recommended listening for this is uh, by Ice Cube, and it is the song Death. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> for What the Heck, I've been Davey. This is Phil. I've been Brian. And I've been Skyler. I don't. I actually don't know where he's yep, from. Yep. Yeah, looking it up. He told me to call him he's, something specific. All right, here we go. Oh. Iceman. <laughs> Davey got it. Yay. <laughs> Val. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, here we go. For what the heck, Seven Davey? This is Phil.
I've been Brian. Skyler. It happened. Try again. <laughs> Actually, I guess I'll just cut and chop. Yeah. Uh, we'll go one more time, though. Uh, for what the heck, Sabin Davey. This is Phil. Ivan Skyler. Been- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right, right. Right after you. After you. <laughs> All right. For what the heck, Sabin Davey. This is Phil. Ivan Brian. And Ivan Skyler. Smooth as can be. Hey, First pretty good try. guys. <laughs>